MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Daniel, do you know what dark matter is made of? Oh, man, I wish I did. Are you sure it's not something simple? Like what? You know, like a bunch of uh, rocks painted black, maybe? (laughs) Yeah, okay, it's not that. Or, you know, just a huge, ginormous black hole. That would be awesome, but it's not that either. Or maybe it could be a... Don't, don't go there. Space banana. (laughs) I knew you were going to go there. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to, I mean, how do you know it's not a space banana, Daniel? I'm a cartoonist and the creator of PhD Comics. Hi, I'm Daniel. I'm a particle physicist, and I don't believe in space bananas. What do you mean you don't believe in space bananas? You don't believe bananas can be in space, <laughs> or you don't believe that space can have bananas? I don't believe that particles randomly bouncing around in space will spontaneously form bananas. That's sort of like the really? Holtzman bananas hypothesis. Uh, not even in an infinite universe where <laughs> anything that's probable happens? Well, you know, in an infinite universe, there actually must be a space banana out there. So, and I yeah. do think the universe is probably infinite. So, you know what? I'm I'm a convert now. I am now <laughs> welcome, a believer in space bananas. Welcome to my cult. <laughs> and welcome to all of you to our podcast, Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe, a production of iHeartRadio. In which we talk about all the amazing things that are out there and all the amazing things that are in here and how it all connects and how it all fits together and explain it to you in a way that you can understand and hopefully makes you chuckle. Yeah, we talk about all of the things that are out there that we know about and all of the things out there that we don't know about and not just space bananas, maybe space bananas made out of dark matter. <laughs> That's right, because one of the most exciting things about science is not just getting answers and figuring stuff out, but asking questions. So our goal is to take you to the forefront of those questions to show you what scientists are thinking about. What are the possibilities for some of the answers to those biggest questions and explain them to you? Yeah, because I think for scientists, it's not just enough to know that something is out there and to classify it and to kind of catalog it. But yeah, it seems you guys really want to know what things are made of. You know, you want to keep drilling down until you get to what, like mathematics? <laughs> well, that's my goal. I mean, I don't want to just know that something is there. I want to know, is it made out of the same stuff as you and I are? Can we explain all of the crazy, beautiful, amazing, tasty, weird stuff in the universe in terms of the same basic building blocks? Or do we need to add another building block? So to me, mm. it's it's really interesting just to know, like, what is it made out of? Right. Like, what, what would a space banana be made out of? Bananinos <laughs> or monarchs? <laughs> Bananatons. Whatever they're made out of, you will get to name them. 
<laughs> oh, good. And taste them, hopefully. But the question is, if we find space bananas, are they made out of the same particles that normal bananas are made out of? Or are they made mm. out of something new and weird and different, which might mean that you can't eat them? Oh, I see. Hmm. They wouldn't taste the same. Not if they're made out of some new weird kind of particle, right? Exotic space bananas, they might not even be digestible by your system. They might pass right through you. That would be weird. Oh, man. And But then it begs the question, are they still bananas? <laughs> and then we have to go through the Department of Banana Philosophy to answer that question. <laughs> but yeah, we often uh, talk about uh, what things are made of. And one of the biggest questions, not just for us and humans, but in all of uh, human history maybe, is what is this 25, 27% of the universe made out of that, that scientists have discovered? That's right. We spend a lot of time understanding the kind of matter that's around us, bananas and people and toes and ferrets and lava, and discovered that all of it's made out of these tiny little particles, quarks and electrons mostly. But then we found that a huge chunk of the universe, 25% of all the energy budget of the universe, is this other kind of matter, this dark matter. And so, of course, as particle physicists, we want to know, what is it made out of? Is it made out of particles? If so, is it one particle? Is it a familiar particle that we've seen before or something totally new and weird and different and i'm used to sort of hyperbolizing this problem as saying it's not just the biggest question in physics it's the biggest question in science but you just went even further you were like this is the biggest question in human history <laughs> regarding physics i think that's oh, what I meant. oh oh you're <laughs> qualifying it now all right it's too late man it's too late we're already number one question ever Mm, uh, doesn't isn't dark what is dark energy bigger mm. <laughs> okay number two question ever still pretty good <laughs> and um so yeah so it's uh it's pretty big i mean it's it's 25 percent of the universe and like we the regular matter is only five percent so this is not a, like a small question it's it's um it's like what is most of the stuff in the universe made out of yeah, we're kind of the little detail, right? We thought for a long time that we had figured out mostly what matter was made out of. And then we tried to generalize. We said, well, it must be that the rest of the universe is also made out of similar kinds of stuff. But if the rest of the universe is more, then we're sort of the rest of the universe. And that's the normal stuff. And so it's really important that we figure out what that dark matter is made out of. Is it made out of our kind of particles or is it made out of something else? Yeah, and so we have, I think, a couple of episodes about dark matter. Maybe if you even go back to some of our first podcast episodes, you know, back when we were younger, before the virus, where we talked about what dark matter is, what scientists think it is, what scientists, uh, how scientists know that it's there. And so if you're curious and or catching up about what dark matter, uh, please go through our archive and check those episodes out. But the big question about dark matter is, what is it made out of? So we, it's this weird matter out there in the universe, right, Daniel, that is pulling on stars and keeping galaxies together, but nobody knows what it's made out of. Because it's not made out of stuff that you can see or touch. Yeah, and for a long time, we thought that dark matter couldn't be made out of quarks, that it couldn't be made out of the kinds of stuff that's around us, that it had to be some new, weird, exotic kind of particle. And so we've had lots of ideas for what kind of particle dark matter could be made out of. And maybe you've heard of them. There's the weakly interacting massive particle, the WIMP. Then there's the macho massive astronomical compact halo objects. And then there's other weird stuff like axions. But the sort of the scientific mainstream is to think that dark matter is probably made out of something new and weird. And that's fascinating. That's an amazing opportunity because if you discover this new kind of particle, that gives you like a whole new Lego block, a whole, you know, it opens up this uh, whole new place to play, this new area of physics that we can explore. Yeah, it's like that time you figure out you can combine Lincoln logs and Legos and it's like, whoa, what can I build now? <laughs> or it turns out most of the world is not built out of Lincoln logs or Legos, right? And you learned how to use actual concrete to make buildings. <laughs> what? This just this just took an engineering turn, you know. <laughs> but uh, so that that was the sort of the, the thinking about dark matter. But uh, recently uh, in the news, there is uh, a lot of attention being paid to a new paper that just came out that maybe answers this question, whether or not dark matter is made out of quarks. Yeah, it's really sort of a fun question to just ask, hold on a second, maybe dark matter is actually just made out of something simple, something familiar in a new arrangement. Maybe it's found a way to hide from us. And so it's worth examining, like, why don't we think dark matter is made out of quarks? And, and could those assumptions be wrong? 
Mm, okay, so uh, there's a new paper, right? You were telling me that uh, has a new idea for how you can maybe use quarks, old regular quarks, uh, and use them in a new way to make dark matter. Now, is this a theoretical paper or is this an, an experimental where they saw something? Well, the paper is theoretical, but it touches on experimental work. It's from the University of York, and it's by a couple of guys who came up with a new way to fit quarks together um, that could explain dark matter. And mm. so it's a theoretical paper, but it references experimental work. Like it talks about this thing called a hexaquark, which combines six quarks into a weird particle. And they talk about how maybe if you put those quarks together, it could look like dark matter. And it could like evade all of the arguments against why quarks can't be dark matter. And so mm. it's sort of like theoretical, like, can we make this work? And then they round it up, I think, in a cool way by suggesting some ways to check their idea. Oh, interesting. It's a pretty cool idea. And so today on the program, we'll be asking the question. Could dark matter be made out of hexaquarks? And several listeners had a question about this paper, so they sent it to us. Uh, Jeff Sagar and Gilles Turner both sent us this paper and said, could this be right? Could dark matter just be made out of quarks? So we <laughs> thought it would be fun to talk about. I, f I feel like uh, I like how people sometimes treat you like the, uh, you know, how you have a medical doctor relative sometimes. You're like, oh, I got this itch here in the back of my neck. Uh, can you check it out and tell me if this is, is something I should be concerned about? I feel like you're sort of like uh, the Internet's now... Uh, physicist's uncle. <laughs> I'm happy to be your on-call physicist. Or cousin. If your dark matter has a rash, then please don't take it to the ER. You just need it to rest <laughs> at home. <laughs> That's right. Do not apply dark energy to it. <laughs> or antimatter. It might be, might have uh, uh, secondary consequences. <laughs> That's right. But if you do have a question about something you see online that you think is probably bunk or you don't understand it, send it to us. We'll happy to dive into it, maybe give you a short answer over email or devote an entire episode to it like this one. Yeah. And so as usual, we were curious to see how many people had heard of these hexaquarks and um, how far has the news about them spread into the public? So as usual, Daniel went out there and asked people this question. Have you heard of hexaquarks? Now, Daniel, because of the situation we're in with the virus, coronavirus, how did you, did you approach people this time? Or did you, uh, <laughs> did you approach them from 20 feet away? How did you record these answers? Um, I have a massive bubble that has six foot diameter and I just walk around inside that bubble and oh, talk to people. You normally have that just to avoid people, <laughs> but now it comes in handy. It's usually a natural effect of my odor and my hairstyle. <laughs> oh, I see. It's a virtual bubble, I see. Yeah. But just naturally stay away from it's it. It's an effective bubble. Now, these recordings were done last week in advance. Mm. And so this was pre-pandemic when people were still walking around in the world and talking to strangers. And I was letting strangers breathe on my phone, which is maybe not a great idea. <laughs> but I, I have since disinfected it. But in the future, we may have to go to internet person on the street questions. So if you're interested in participating in future person on the street interview questions, send me a line and I'll send you our questions. Because everyone always dreams about being a person on the internet. <laughs> well, it's sort of inverting it, right? Instead of people on the internet asking me physics questions, I'm asking random people on the internet physics questions. So mm. it's only fair. I see. So you would ask maybe online, hey, have you heard of Hex course? And you just get a bunch of recordings of people saying, nope. <laughs> Perhaps. Never heard of it. Uh, we've done this a couple of times, though, with remote listeners who wanted to participate, and I would send them the questions in advance and mm. tell them to record their answers with no Googling. All right. Well, here, here's what people have to say. So before you listen to these answers, just think about it. Have you heard of hexaquarks or have an inkling as to what they might be? Here's what people had to say. No? What would you guess they might be? So you had to guess. Some kind of star. Nope. No, I have not. Heard it come up, uh, but I don't know anything about it. No. No. All right. Not a lot of positive recognition there out there about <laughs> hexaquarks. Almost exactly zero. No, my favorite answer was hexa what? Hexa what? Is it like a witchcraft thing? Like, do you hex people? <laughs> well, uh, what do you think? Do you think it's poorly named or you think it just hasn't sort of penetrated <laughs> the public out there? I mean, if I asked you about hexaquarks, wouldn't you have mm -hmm. thought, oh, it's a particle with six quarks in it? It seems very natural to me. Well, I guess um, it depends on what it is. And I currently, I don't, I don't have a good sense of what it is. But uh, if I had to bet whether physicists name something not in the best way possible, <laughs> that's where my money would be. <laughs> 
So you're like, hexacorks mm, is probably a new kind of fruit. Yeah, I, I think hexacorks, it's like, it sounded like a good idea, but actually it doesn't help you. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll explain what hexacorks are and how they might possibly, but probably not, could explain what dark matter is. But first, let's take a quick break. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the Challenge Gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Right, then we're talking about hexaquarks, and it's a new idea that maybe physicists think that it could uh, tell us what dark matter is made out of. So I guess maybe step us through here first. We know sort of what dark matter is, and the question was before you thought that dark matter couldn't be made out of quarks. So maybe tell us a little bit about why we thought it couldn't be made out of quarks. Yeah, this is an unusual idea to explain dark matter using quarks because we thought that we had ruled that out. Most of mainstream science said dark matter has to be some new weird kind of particle. So if we're going to understand this new idea for how hexaquarks could be dark matter, it's really worth revisiting and understanding like why did we rule out quarks and how does this new idea maybe sort of evade those arguments. So number one thing is that quarks have electric charge and quarks interact with light. You know, if you shoot photons at something made out of quarks, it will react. You know, you shoot light at protons, you shoot light at atoms, it reacts, it shines, it absorbs, it emits. All the stuff out there in the universe does interact with photons. And so that's why that's kind of why we thought maybe dark matter couldn't be made out of quarks because regular quarks you can see, but dark matter you can't see. 
Yeah, it's dark, right? It doesn't give off light. It doesn't reflect light. It doesn't interact in any way with light. Right. It's invisible. It's invisible. Yeah. Invisible matter would have been such a better name. Dark matter yeah. makes it sound like it's black, right? But yeah. it's not. And and you might think, well, there's ways to evade that. You know, what about neutral objects? And it's true that like, you know, um, photons don't interact with neutral objects. So we thought maybe dark matter mm. was made of neutrinos or something else like that. Or maybe neutral atoms. I guess maybe initially when you guys found dark matter, it's not that you knew it was invisible. You just knew that you, it didn't emit light and you couldn't see it, right? So at that point when you found it and you named it, it could have just been dark or like painted black, right? Well, but then it would have obscured. Like if it was just black and, and absorbed light but didn't emit it, then it would have obscured mm. stuff. Like there's so much of it out there. If you could see the dark matter, then the night sky would be a lot darker because we'd be shrouded in it. Like our galaxy is in the middle of a huge dark matter halo. If it wasn't invisible, most of the universe would be invisible to us. We would just see darkness in the sky. Right. Well, it could be like really small, dense pellets of something, right? And you, we wouldn't see it, but it wouldn't be invisible. But we can see the effects of like gas and dust in the universe. Like most of the stuff in the universe is gas and dust. And we can definitely see that. It absorbs light. It blocks our view. The center of the galaxy, for example, is mostly obscured because of all the gas and dust. So even mm. tiny pellets, if you've got zillions and zillions of them, they obscure your view. It's like a fog. Okay, so, uh, so we didn't think it could be quarks because it's dark and it doesn't interact with the light. And we know quarks interact with light. And so is that the main reason we didn't think that dark matter or we don't think dark matter could be made out of quarks? It's not because it's not that convincing an argument. There are ways to evade it, right? There is normal matter that's invisible to photons like neutrinos. Mm -hmm. And or there space are bananas. ways or space bananas. <laughs> space bananas are invisible to photons. Invisible this space is... bananas, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. As long as well, we're making up the things. I, I feel like I just entered the second level of this cult now. I've been informed and you read into the invisible <laughs> space well, you made You made it to theta level three, so <laughs> I'm so I honored. can just close more things. Um, and, and then, you know, people wondered, like, could you possibly have neutral atoms that don't interact with photons, et cetera, et cetera. So it turns out we have a much stronger argument for why dark matter can't be made out of quarks. And it actually comes from calculations about the Big Bang. Hmm. So we, we studied the Big Bang and we sort of see the remnants of the, the, the debris from the Big Bang. And that actually tells you that dark matter can't be made out of quarks? Yeah, what it does is it tells you how much stuff in the universe is made out of quarks. Because it turns out that the density of quarks in the very early moments of the universe controls how quark matter is formed. Quark matter being like hydrogen and helium and light elements, me and you and all that stuff. The density of the quarks determines how much heavy elements you get. So if you have a huge density of quarks in the early universe, you get more heavy elements like lithium and carbon and oxygen. If you have mm -hmm. fewer uh, quarks, if the quarks aren't as dense, then they don't combine to form as many heavy elements. And so we, we measure how much hydrogen is there, how much helium mm -hmm. is there. And we can tell from that sort of the density of quarks in the early universe. And that tells us just like how many quarks were there. Uh, but it's, and I guess it's not just about quantities because, I mean, you could imagine that maybe there, there were a ton more quarks than we think there were. And some of them just went on to make dark matter instead of hydrogen and helium. Well, that's sort of this idea. That's sort of the idea from this paper. Yeah. But oh, okay. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> maybe I should get credit there in <laughs> the Nobel Prize. It turns out to be true. Uh, okay. So uh, I see. So before we, we didn't think that the Big Bang made enough quarks to make dark matter because it didn't make sense. But maybe there is a way for this to make sense. Yeah, and it's sort of an, it's an, a subtle argument. It's a subtraction, right? It's saying, here's how much matter is out there in the universe. And we know that by looking at how galaxies swirl. And we can just see the gravitational effects of it. That's how much dark matter there is. And we know how much quark matter there is based on this Big Bang nucleosynthesis argument, how much helium and lithium was made. And so, and they don't add up. And so that leaves a gap. So we can't explain all the matter in the universe using quarks. But again, that's assuming that quarks turn into the kind of familiar matter we're, we're, we're familiar with, you know, hydrogen and atoms and protons oh, and I neutrons see. and stuff. Like, like it couldn't be that it turned into hydrogen and helium and then some of that stuff turned into dark matter. That wouldn't, that wouldn't work. No, that doesn't work. 
But if you could somehow siphon off a bunch of quarks into a new invisible kind of matter that then wouldn't interact with those hydrogen and helium and stuff, then maybe that dark matter could be explained by those quarks and not mess up this early universe Big Bang nucleosynthesis stuff. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. Oh, no, I think we're here. I think we're here. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what this idea of a hexaquark is, is that maybe it's something that that happened to all those quarks at the Big Bang. Yeah, and there's a few steps you need there. You need to understand what a hexaquark is, and then the hexaquarks have to sort of siphon themselves off into some state that wouldn't want to interact with the hydrogen and the helium that was happening around then. Because remember, it was a hot and nasty place, the early universe. It's not mm -hmm. like you made something and it just got to hang out for 14 billion years. It was, it was really dense and there were photons everywhere. And so you need to somehow create this stuff and then also protect it from the rest oh, of the universe. I see. Take it like take it out of the the craziness. Yeah. So that it can account for dark matter now. Yeah. Oh. Well, so uh, step us through then. What is a hexaquark? And is it a, a different kind of quark or is it like a a poorly named <laughs> concept in, in <laughs> physics? I'm yeah. feeling a little bit of judgment here, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just going to keep going because now I'm feeling yeah, level is a three. cursed quark, you know, like <laughs> I see. Oh, I get it. It's like a like a um like a witch's quirk. Yeah, yeah, yes. Boil, boil, toil and trouble through yeah. an eye of Newton hexaquark. <laughs> that sounds good. Um, well, no, a hexaquark is not a new kind of quark. It's a mm. new combination of existing quarks. Oh, I see. Huh. And so quarks are very familiar particles. They make up protons and neutrons and other exotic particles. And so there are up quarks and down quarks inside me and you. Non-exotic, you mean particles, right? They make up non-exotic particles, but also, you know, weird particles like pions and um, other kinds of mesons. They make mm. up, uh, you can rearrange these Legos to make all sorts of different kinds of things. We had a whole episode uh, about that and how that works. Quarks are amazing little Legos. Right. And usually they're in, in pairs or in threes, right? That's right. And so there are a lot of rules for how you put these Legos together. You can't just say, I'm going to put these seven quarks together or those nine quarks together because they feel the strong nuclear force, the most powerful force in the universe, which is very particular about how you put them together. And the strong nuclear force has a different kind of way of arranging itself than any other kind of force. Like electromagnetism has plus and minus. So if you want something that's neutral, you put a plus and a minus together. Right. That, that one's simple to think about because like two pluses can't go together because they repel each other and two negatives mm -hmm. can't go together. But mm -hmm. a plus and a minus, they're happy together. That's right. And they form a neutral atom and right. or a neutral system. In the case of the strong nuclear force, though, there are three kinds of charges. And so we can't call them plus and minus because they don't sit nicely along one axis. So we give them the names red, green and blue, because if mm -hmm. you add them all up together, then you get a neutral atom, what we call a colorless atom. Right, like if you take a red quark, a green quark, and a blue quark, they, you get sort of like a happy trio. <laughs> yeah, they're a happy trio. So they're balanced out together. And that's sort of similar to electromagnetism. You take one of each of the kinds of charges, a plus and a minus, you add it together, you get neutral, right? In mm -hmm. this way, you get one of each of the kinds of colors, you add them together, you get white or colorless. So you can make triplets. You can also make pairs, like you take a red quark and pair mm -hmm. it with an anti-red quark. That's anti -red. also neutral. Yeah. What color is anti-red? Like <laughs> orange or like a cyan? If only I knew a visual artist who was really well versed in science. <laughs> who knew the I should ask wheel. him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're talking to a, a comic strip artist. I, I only do black and white. <laughs> okay. I'll ask the Sunday cartoonist that question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what the anti-red is, but whatever it is, when you add it to red, you get white. So, oh, I see. And so a red and an anti-red can sit happily together and be something. Yes. What, what do you call that? Like a bi-quark or a, a two-some quark? Called a, that's called a meson. A meson. All right. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. So you, you, so you can start with two quarks, a quark and its anti-color quark. You can do three quarks if you have like RGB, and that's called a baryon. And examples are protons and neutrons, right? Very familiar. Mm-hmm. And then you can get more complicated. Now, those are the most common particles in the universe, mesons right. and baryons. That's what we're made out of, right? We're like our protons and neutrons in your atoms are made out of th threesomes of quarks. That's right. These quark triplets. And but you can combine them in other ways. Like you can take four quarks if you have a red and a green and an anti-red and an anti-green. 
right? That also really? is color neutral. Yeah. Uh, because the antis cancel out the red and the green and then they, are, they can all sit happily mm-hmm. together. And can you, you want to guess what that's called? Uh, a quadraquark. <laughs> a tetraquark. A tetra. Oh, right. Yeah. Tetra. Tetras. <laughs> that's right. And you can fit them together just like Tetris pieces. Oh. So that's the four quark version. And so that's that's stable because, you know, like a color and an anti quark, uh, we're happy by them as a twosome, but you're saying you can get two couples and, and they're also happy together. They form a colorless object. Not all of these things are stable, right? Like the proton is stable. The proton will sit around, a proton by itself will sit around for billions of years and do nothing. A neutron is not stable, right? A neutron will turn into a proton and an electron. And similarly, the pairs, the, the mesons, they're also not stable. Mm-hmm. So some of these things are colorless, like they're neutral, but they're not necessarily stable. Mm, all right. Uh, but the, you're saying that they, they can fit together, they just won't fit together for very long. Yeah. And you can keep going and you can make a combination of five quarks. So here you would need mm-hmm. like an R, a B, a G, that's color neutral, plus maybe like an R and an anti-R. So that gives you an overall particle that's neutral. And that's called um, a pentaquark. Right. Uh, not a sunquark. <laughs> and then finally we get to hexaquarks. But wait, t- tell me about these weird particles with lots of quarks in it. Like, do they do they act like regular particles or, you know what I mean? Like, do they just bounce around with the rest of us here or do they suddenly change or do something different? They're very short-lived. We can make them only in special situations in particle colliders. You smash enough quarks together for a very short amount of time, these particles can form. But they last like 10 to the minus 23 seconds and then they fall apart and they turn Mm. into lighter, more stable particles. I see. But while they're alive, they're just like regular particles. They're just like regular particles. But, you know, that's a whole other question. Like, well, what is a particle anyway? But they are bound states, right? They move together. And if you touch them with anything that has less energy than those bonds, then they react all as one. And so, yeah, they act as a a particle, though it's very short lived. Mm. All right. So then uh, and then but then you can get six quarks together. You can get six quarks together. And this is just sort of like a dye baryon. It's like a red, a green, a blue, and then another red, green, blue, or <laughs> an anti-red, an anti-green, anti-blue. Uh, but isn't that the same as like a, a quark and an anti, uh, like a... Hmm. Like a proton and an anti-proton. Yeah, like, or like a proton and a neutron. Yeah, it's similar, but it's, you know, they're compressed together. A proton and a neutron has the same quark content as mm-hmm. a hexaquark, but it's a different arrangement. You know, the same way that I have the same core content as you, but I'm a different arrangement. It's all about mm. the arrangement. It's all about the bonds and how you fit them together. Like I, I could make a really ugly thing out of my Legos and you could make something beautiful and I could say, well, they're made of the same Legos. But like, <laughs> that doesn't take away from the beauty right. of your creation, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So then, uh, so you're saying these are six quarks, not just in like, you know, three pairs or two, three or they're actually like six of them or they're all interacting with each other. They're all sort of connected to each other. Yeah. And there's one in particular, it's called the D star and it has a certain mass. It's just under two and a half times the mass of the proton. And it was found in 2011 and then confirmed in 2013, again, in particle collisions. And it lasts mm. for 10 to the minus 23 seconds. And we think it's made out of three up quarks and three down quarks all put together. Oh, so you found this. This is something that you've seen in the particle collider. Like, hey, this came out. Yeah, so hexaquarks are real. They, they, but we don't think they last very long. We think you can make a hexaquark, but it, then it's gone after 10 to the minus 23 seconds. Wow, which is like, like you know, so many electron years. <laughs> but it's much smaller than the amount of time we think dark matter has been around. We think dark mm. matter lasts for billions of years, right? So for right. D-star hexaquarks to explain dark matter, you have to explain how, for some reason, it's been lasting for billions of years. Oh, I see. All right, so this is the candidate for what dark matter might be made out of. It might be made out of these interesting and funny hexaquarks. And so let's get into whether or not that's actually true and what this paper says about dark matter and what it's made out of. But first, let's take a quick break. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. 
In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey fam, I'm Simone Boyce. I'm Danielle Robay. And we're the hosts of The Bright Side, the daily podcast from Hello Sunshine that is guaranteed to light up your day. Every weekday, we bring you conversations with the culture makers who inspire us. Ooh, like a recent episode with Melissa Joan Hart. LL Cool J gave me some great advice. He had all these gold chains and I was like, wow, look at all these diamonds. And he said something to the effect of, don't waste your money on something like this. Buy a house. Like he gave me like solid investment advice where I was like, save my money, got it. Listen to The Bright Side from Hello Sunshine on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Daniel, we're talking about hexaquarks, and you're telling me that there are just six quarks held together. That's it, man. Just six quarks held together. Like anybody could have done this at any time. Uh huh. Yeah. You seem kind of underwhelmed. <laughs> a little bit. I mean, <laughs> you were expecting witches' quarks and like spell quarks and magic well, quarks. I feel like you're using the word quark for two things. You're using it for the particle that are quarks, the fundamental mm-hmm. particles that are quarks, and you're using mm-hmm. it also for arrangements of quarks. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like you see, like charm quark, to- strange quark, hexaquark. That's confusing. Well, I feel like strange quarks is like, okay, that's a different kind of quark, but this is not a different kind of quark. This is just an arrangement of quarks. It's like saying a a banana is a banana and a bundle of bananas is a hexabanana. (laughs) Actually, that sounds like (laughs) a great idea to me. (laughs) What would you like today, sir? I'll have a (laughs) hexabanana. But I guess the idea is that uh, it acts like a particle, just like a a bunch of bananas. Um, You can throw a bunch of bananas together because they're held together. Mm-hmm. But they're made out of individual bananas. Yes, they're made out of individual bananas. And so in this case, we're interested in this D star hexaquark, not so much because we're interested in like, how can you put quarks together? That's a whole field of quantum chromodynamics that people are interested in. Um, but here we're interested in like, maybe could this possibly explain the dark matter? Mm. And so because maybe when you put these six quarks together, they suddenly have special powers. Yeah, and so to get these star hexaquarks to look like dark matter, you have to do a couple of things. First thing is you have to make it last longer than 10 to the minus 23 seconds because we think dark matter exists on sort of cosmological timescales, that it was created in the early universe and it's still around. It's not like decaying into normal matter. It doesn't just evaporate. It doesn't just evaporate. It sticks around. Right. It's, Otherwise, it's here, it's there. It's everywhere. still around. Yeah, it's been here for yeah. 14 billion years. Mm. No reason to think it's going to disappear tomorrow. Right. So you, you would have to find a way for these hexachords to be stable, to hang around. Yeah. 
And the idea is that maybe these D star hexaquarks form some weird state of matter, a Bose-Einstein condensate, where they all sort of group together and act like one big mega particle. Oh, man. And let me guess how you call that one. A mega quark. <laughs> no, that's the name of a transformer. God. <laughs> yeah, a, I think you're thinking of Omegatron. Um, and a Bose-Einstein condensate is a weird quantum mechanical state of matter where you get a, a lot of um, particles together that are bosons, things like photons or, or other particles that can sit on top of each other. They can be in the same quantum state. We have some particles, fermions, that don't like to be in the same quantum state, like electrons. If you put two electrons around an atom, they don't want to be in the same energy level. But bosons, they're happy to sit in the same place. You can have 10 million photons all in the same state with the same energy. But if you get enough of these particles, enough of these bosons together, they have like a macroscopic quantity, like a droplet, then it forms mm. a state called a Bose-Einstein condensate, where it's macroscopically sized, but it behaves like a quantum object. Like one, like they share the quantum uh, uncertainty kind of in a yeah. way. Yeah, It's a quantum wave function with like visible sizes. Usually all the quantum effects are hidden away at the tiny scales where you can't see them and they're averaged out to zero. Mm. But here's an object that actually you can see quantum mechanical effects. And we should do a whole podcast episode on Bose-Einstein condensates. All right. So, uh, so we think that maybe this hexachord lives in a Bose-Einstein condensate state and that's how it becomes dark matter? Yeah, they did this calculation and they showed that maybe if you could get enough of these together, they could form a Bose-Einstein condensate, in which case mm -hmm. maybe it would be stable. Like it, they wouldn't evaporate. They would just, they, they would like being in a Bose-Einstein condensate and then mm -hmm. they wouldn't, they wouldn't disappear. Mm -hmm. And there's, you know, a good history here for this kind of idea of saying you have a particle which on itself is unstable, like the neutron, but you put it in a special situation like neutron stars and it's stable. So like a huge pile of neutrons all together, they stick around. A neutron star sticks around. A single neutron will decay pretty quickly into other stuff. So maybe mm. the same thing happens with these D-star hexaquarks. And they did some calculations in the paper that showed it, it was plausible. It's not just like, let's throw this banana against the wall and see if it sticks. Mm. So what do you think? Is, is the math right? Can, you, can these things sit in a Bose-Einstein condensate? Well, it's pretty complicated stuff, and it might be right, but, you know, I don't see a flaw in it in that part of the calculation. Um, but, you know, there are a lot of ideas that could be possible, but that aren't real. You know, you have to not just say this might work. You have to see that it actually does work, because what mm. we're interested in doing in this case is saying, like, is it actually the dark matter, not just could it maybe, maybe be? Because we oh, have a I long see. list already of maybes for dark matter. I see. So it, it can exist, um, but there's a question of, does it happen in nature? And the second question, which is, is it that what dark matter is made out of? Yeah. And there is one question I have about this paper that makes me very skeptical that these things could be produced Ooh. and live long enough to become dark matter. Physics drama. Physics drama. And that's that you remember that in the early universe, there was a lot of radiation, like most of the energy of the early universe was photons and other things, just like energy radiating around. It was a crazy time. A tiny mm -hmm. fraction of the energy of the universe was matter back then. And, you know, and since then, things have cooled out a little bit and we have more matter, etc. But back then, it was really hard for anything to stay together. You formed an atom five seconds after the universe was born. It immediately was blasted apart by a photon. And right. so it's hard to imagine how these D-star hexaquarks all survived that crazy photonic time with all this energy bouncing around. And in the paper, I don't see them doing a calculation to show that these things somehow um, will not interact with photons. Because remember, they're still made of quarks, right? A photon hits one of these D-star hexaquarks, it should break it up. Right. Well, I guess that, that brings me to my question, which is why do they think this might be dark matter? Like when you put six quarks together, do they, does it become invisible suddenly and not react to light the way we know dark matter doesn't either? Well, that's a good question. I mean, these things are uh, electrically neutral, right? And so in, mm -hmm. in that way they could be, but a high enough energy photon will penetrate them. I think the core idea is that maybe this dark matter is made out of these quarks, right? In this special mm -hmm. configuration that allow them to evade the sort of creation of light matter in the early universe. Remember we talked about how in the early universe, most of the quarks got together to make helium and hydrogen and all that kind of stuff. And mm -hmm. so 
We know how many quarks were used to make all that stuff and it can't explain the dark matter. Mm-hmm. So this is a way to like siphon off some of those quarks into another kind of matter, which could still exist in the universe. And so it's, we've always assumed that dark matter couldn't be made of quarks for this reason. And the right. other arguments against dark matter being quarks are a little looser. They're like, as you're saying, like what happens if you shoot a photon at it? And so if it's possible to have more quarks in the early universe and siphon them off into this special kind of matter, then, you know, that gives you the license to add more quarks into the universe, which could then explain the dark matter. Oh, I and, see. And it could be that that this forms this Bose-Einstein condensate. And then we don't really know, like, it might be that that's sensitive to photons, like you smash into it hard enough with a photon, it can break it up, but that it's still transparent. So it could be like hanging out there in great ribbons and sheets and fogs made out of quarks, but mostly invisible. I feel like you're sort of a little bit skeptical about this idea because you're saying that in something like that wouldn't survive the big the craziness of the Big Bang. Yeah, and they don't explain in the paper how it would survive the very intense photonic atmosphere just after the Big Bang. Like, why does this thing last so long? Like, they explain how you could make it stable, meaning if you left it by itself, it would last long enough. Right. But if you bombard it with photons, it should break up in the early universe. Right, but what, what if it's invisible to photons? Then wouldn't it sort of sit outside of that crazy Big Bang explosion? But it's not invisible to photons. I mean, most low energy photons would pass through it. But if you, pa- if you bombard it with very high energy photons and there are quarks inside of it, then mm-hmm. the bonds between the quarks are no longer relevant. If you shoot a photon at something that's made out of quarks and the energy of the photon is greater than the energy of the bonds between the quarks, then the bonds mm-hmm. between the quarks don't matter. It doesn't matter anymore whether it's inside a proton or a neutron or some other kind of quark matter. Both Einstein, quantum wave, unity, doesn't matter either? doesn't matter if you have high enough energy photons. And back in the Big Bang, it was crazy high energy photons all the time. Mm, I feel like you're almost saying like the Big Bang photons would poke a hole in this theory. (laughs) They would shine a light on the flaws of this theory. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, that's that's pretty interesting. And so this is a paper that and an an idea that made a lot of the news because they're like, hey, maybe this is what dark matter is made out of. But, you know, it, it sounds like it's a wait and see kind of thing. Like there is eh, not, not, it doesn't answer all the questions. It, it is something that possibly exists out there, but it's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. And as usual in science journalism, it was very, it was hyped as like, maybe this explains dark matter, but really mm-hmm. it's just like another idea. And it's great to have a breadth of ideas. We need a lot of ideas because we haven't found dark matter and we've been looking for a while. And Mm -hmm. so we got to be creative and think, oh, maybe it's this other thing we forgot or maybe it could still be this thing we ruled out. That's very healthy. And so it's great that these guys are thinking about these new ideas. But right right now, it's just sort of like one more thing on the list of what dark matter could be. And it's Mm -hmm. got some question marks around it. Do you think it would be better if journalists just ignored science? (laughs) And uh, not treated things uh, as if they were more uh, run-of-the-mill? I think they, it would be better if they didn't act like every minor step forward was an incredible discovery that answered a big open question. Because then the day we actually do answer those open questions, people will be like, whatever, you found dark matter 50 times in the last t- 10 years. What do I care? Mm. You know, so this should have been covered as like, physicists have new idea for dark matter. Not like, dark I matter see. riddle may have been solved. What if you put in, like, really for real this time, guys, at the end of that news article? Wouldn't <laughs> we'll save that code for when we actually discover it. But the thing, one thing I really like and respect about this paper is that they also came up with a new way to look for this. They're like, okay, if these things are real, how would we prove it? We can't just have this theoretical idea. They were wondering, like, how would we prove it? And so they thought about, like, if these D-star hexaquarks were real, maybe there's some of them here on Earth. And maybe Mm -hmm. occasionally they sort of collapse and they create these big, crazy showers of cosmic rays, but they look different because they're going sort of up instead of down. Anyway, Mm -hmm. it's a fascinating idea and kudos to them for coming up for a new theoretical idea that sort of breaks some of the existing rules and for coming up with an experimental way to look for their idea. Right, because you're an experimentalist and and so you uh, reacted to that. You're like, hey, I like that part. Yeah, well, anytime you have a new theoretical idea, you have to figure out how to test it, you know? Ideas are just ideas until they're proven to be reality. That's what experiments are for. Mm. All right, well, I guess we'll see. 
Will they'll, they'll, do you think they'll do these experiments and figure out if, if it could be dark matter? Or do you think this will sort of sit on the shelf for a while until there's more of a consensus or more of a, a appealing theoretical argument here? I think that it will generate some more work in the theoretical community to figure out how to answer some of these other questions and to see like, can it really be dark matter? This is sort of like the first bite of the apple. There's a lot of details still left to figure out that we talked about, mm -hmm. but also it's not that hard to do these experiments. It's just sort of like looking in the data of existing experimental facilities to see if you can see evidence for these things that we just hadn't looked for before. So that's kind of exciting. Oh, you, can, you don't have to run a new experiment. You can just look at the data from old experiments. Yes, precisely. Mm. All right. Well, my last question is, Daniel, if you take six space bananas and tie them together, does that make them a hexa space banana? <laughs> it makes them a heck of a tasty banana. A heck of a, there you go. <laughs> I'll give you points for naming that one. All right, thank you. All right. Well, I hope that answered the question that a lot of you sent in as to what a hexacork is and whether or not it can actually explain what dark matter is. I think as usual with science and physics in the universe, the question is, let's wait and see. Thanks for sending in your questions and thanks for tuning in. See you next time. If you still have a question after listening to all these explanations, please drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Daniel and Jorge, that's one word, or email us at feedback at danielandjorge.com. Thanks for listening, and remember that Daniel and Jorge Explain the Universe is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.